Welcome to Apparently, the podcast for absolutely average parents. I'm Ann Johnsos. And I'm Tracy Weiner. Ann and I have been friends for a very long time. We met right after college. Yeah, in our first jobs as radio producers. We spent our 20s as wing women for each other, and it didn't work out very well. But then it did. And we found the right guys and stood up in each other's weddings. And then we had babies within weeks of each other. So we went from producers to reproducers. We make it look easy. Which brings us to this podcast. We want to discuss topics that interest us and you and provide some knowledge to other average parents. We're average, not experts. So we'll tackle these topics with people who know what they're doing. Yeah, we'll get the experts. And I fully expect to embarrass myself along the way. Yeah, after season one, I'm pretty sure we already have. (laughs) So welcome to Apparently. We make it look easy. We make it look good. When everybody sees it, they stop and take a look. Apparently, we as parents need to stop and think about how we carry ourselves at home in front of our kids when it comes to body image, eating, and diets. This is so hard. Yeah, think about it. We need to lead by example in everything that we do, and even in the everyday things that you don't really think about that have an effect and that they're paying attention. You got to think about it um, because it's having big ramifications on kids today. Yeah, they mirror us. Exactly. So in my mind, I say raising happy and healthy girls, because we have girls, um, has become more challenging these days um, for several reasons. Yeah. According to the National Organization of Women, one study reports that at age 13, get this, 53% of American girls are unhappy with their bodies. At age 13. At age 13. And this grows to 78% by the time the girls reach 17. Okay, now that that's kind of mind boggling. But listen to this. How about this? 46 percent of nine to 11 year olds are sometimes or very often on diets. <laughs> and 82 percent of their families are sometimes or very often on diets. True story. I, I, I've done it in my own house. Right. Okay. Right. This is just nuts. So with all the TV and movies and magazines flashing pictures of women, it's it's actually no wonder that girls have body image problems because of what they're looking at all, right, all so day. I need to interrupt here because um, I don't think it's nuts because I went through the same thing. Um, when I was in me- middle school, there was a uh, diet. It was it was called AIDS, which is a, an unfortunate name, but A-Y-D-S. They were little chocolates and they were individually wrapped. You're the same age as me. What? I don't remember this. Yeah. Well, it went out of business pretty quickly because in the <laughs> 80s. Was this like a Woodstock thing or what? They were very popular and they were little chocolates and they were appetite suppressants. And I was, I was very, I, I had a huge body image problem. So I took those to school and I ate them and I thought, wow, this is great. I'm going to lose weight. I'm going to lose. And I I don't think I was chocolates. Yeah. So they were like yummy. Yes. And I don't even, think I was heavy if I look back at it, but I thought I was heavy then. So, um, but the, the reason it didn't work for me is that all of my friends wanted the chocolates and I couldn't, I couldn't tell them I was taking diet chocolates. So you were sharing? Well, they, so then I had to just take them home because I couldn't share appetite suppressants with my <laughs> friends. <laughs> So, so that that put an end. That to was that. back in the day mm-hmm. when you could share, because nowadays in the lunchroom right. you can't. You, there's no sharing or swapping because of all the allergies and all that other stuff. Well, I could have used those rules back then. Okay, 
Um, but I mean, all the way, even through my 20s, I had a complicated relationship with the mirror. I, I have never felt completely at home in my skin. And I totally understand why girls don't feel at home in their skin. Well, you're in good company because I read somewhere that 80% of women say that images of women on TV and movie and, you know, magazines and stuff make them feel insecure. Yes. So we're both moms of daughters. And I can say that I've seen this firsthand um, in my own household. Um, You know, I have a love-hate relationship with my own body, Mm -hmm. um, but I see it vividly in my daughter back in, I think it was fourth grade, and it was wintertime, and I bought her this jacket, and it was so awesome. It was expensive. Like, I don't know. I don't remember what brand it was, Um, but she didn't want to wear it because it was too puffy, puffy. And it made her look fat. We were, puffer coats were were totally in, right? Yeah, she did not. And she was like, I I can't wear this, Mom. And I'm like, you're nine. What are you talking about? You're going to freeze on the playground. You need this coat. So she w- didn't want to wear it because she thought the coat made her look, look fat. fat. Wow. At nine. So fast forward to now, she's in middle school. And hey, it's summertime. <laughs> um, so this whole... Opens up a whole nother can of worms because it's hot and people are wearing less clothes. There's the tank tops, the short shorts and stuff and bathing suits. And I'll admit that bathing suit shopping is like a fate worse than death for me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so um, I just I hate bathing suits. And I know that I'm I know that I'm not projecting good body image modeling of, modeling right? for my daughter. <laughs> Because of, of that. And I don't like it. I don't, I look in the mirror and I, when I'm going out and I'm putting something on and I know that she's watching. I know she can tell this because it's already going shopping with her is painful um, because she doesn't like anything and she's uncomfortable. And I can tell that she's very, what's the word? Self-conscious? Self-conscious. Yeah. About the clothes that she wears. We just went bathing suit shopping yesterday, and um, it, it's it's a whole it's a layered thing because number one, um, they want to wear small bathing suits like bikinis and stuff. Yes, which yeah, my I, daughter doesn't want to wear a bikini. Okay, well, she wants to wear a one piece. Well, I'm all about that. Like I maybe I'm just conservative, but I feel like they they show too much. But also this past weekend, you know, I wanted to, you know, model that I'm I'm a mom who gets in the pool. So I did. I got in the pool, even though I was wearing pretty much a swim dress. <laughs> <laughs> I have one a of those. Moo-moo. It's a one piece and it has little like, um, yes, yeah. yes. So uh, but I got in the pool because I was like, look at me. I'm a mom who's I, I'm not ashamed of my anyway. Then afterward, they're just like, well, you didn't get your hair wet. And I'm like, come on. Oh, my gosh. Really? Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, I can't win for losing. So, do you see it in your house? Do they not, like, going shopping and trying on clothes and, like, like do you see them paying attention? They don't like... Uh, it's it, They're both very different. Uh, Sophie wears very tight clothes. Hannah wears very loose clothes. Um, but we were shopping, and both of them picked out this giant shirt for me because they know that I wear giant clothes. You do like wearing layers, yes. I do, I do. And I was like, oh, no, like th- this is a thing now. They've recognized that I wear giant <laughs> You've clothes. You've been typecast. Yes, yes. So, you know, I, I don't like shopping. I know that, you know, uh, do you like shopping? Your sister loves shopping. My I- sister loves shopping, and it's not my favorite thing to do, no. Okay, yay. Usually, like, when, and then when I, I go to, 
bring in like a pair of pants and then I have to bring in a couple sizes because every that doesn't it doesn't matter where you shop it's different wherever you go right, right and and then you know I'm like oh these don't fit I need the next size I know it's so defeating it's, it's so it's and I I try not to use the word diet around my house um I've done two juice cleanses I just finished one um and uh I'm trying not to use the D-I-E-T word around the house right. and just talk about healthy eating for your skin and for your stump, your body and so on. Um, but it's really hard because I know the girls that they all hang out with are all talking like that. Right. I'm not going to have that because I don't want to get fat or whatever. Right. It's sad. Yes, it is. So to talk about body image and how we should help support our kids with a healthy self-image about themselves. We're bringing in Gina Graham. She's a licensed clinical social worker with over 15 years of experience. She's worked with, um, she's worked as an eating disorder inpatient case manager, there's a lot of words, uh, a private practice clinician and a group therapy leader. Gina, thanks for joining us. Thanks so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. So how has the cultural body ideals shaped the way we live in society? Like how over time um, yeah. What in your practice, what have you seen as influences for body dissatisfaction? Well, it's interesting because as long as I've been in practice, women have been dissatisfied with their bodies. Um, but, you know, this goes back so incredibly far. Um, I think the interesting thing in a lot of ways about body image now, although it, its effects are so much more amplified and sort of the widespread way that it affects our lives is so much more amplified is that interestingly enough, it's been something that I think women have sort of grappled with really since, you know, historically for a very long time. Um, you know, we can kind of look to the fact that women's sort of bodies and sort of place in society has sort of very much been objectified um, for so long. And, you know, we can kind of look to, you know, the ways that the differing body types have changed a little bit over, you know, the centuries. For example, you know, you could kind of look back to like um, Renaissance and Rubenesque artwork and see that at that time, um, you know, women who had sort of like fuller figures, you know, think about like those Renaissance paintings you would see hanging in a museum. Women who sort of had like fuller figures and larger bodies were sort of seen as being sort of like very fertile and very affluent. And that meant that they had enough money to sort of like feed their bodies. So that was sort of seen as like a, a standardized kind of cultural form of beauty. Um, you know, in like the late 1800s and at the turn of the century, we sort of had like you know, the curvy sort of corseted look. And so women were sort of like ascribed to kind of like, you know, think about how they would wear their clothing in a certain way. And, and you know, there was kind of like the, the fainting couches and the discomfort of like broken ribs because women were so strapped into the corsets. Um, and then it kind of shifted a little bit to sort of more of that boyish sort of very thin flapper-esque um, body type around the 1920s. And we've seen it kind of fluctuate a little bit here and there. You know, like in the 1950s, Marilyn Monroe and sort of the pinup queens were sort of seen as a certain way, um, sort of very curvy, like, you know, a large bosom, sort of uh, wider hips, but very narrow waist. Um, and then we kind of saw Twiggy in the 1960s kind of go back to that very extremely thin um, model, model look. And then, you know, things kind of shifted very quickly quickly there into sort of like what's been more of a longer standing, um, you know, sort of beauty ideal, which is sort of an, uh, an unattainable image of thinness. Um, you know, I would say that in the years that I've been doing this, there's been a little bit of a kind of recent resurgence with women who um, are kind of 
celebrated as being sort of more body positive or sort of some of these plus size models and with the ability to kind of have a platform on social media. We're seeing a little bit of traction there. But at the end of the day, the message is there is this ideal. It's generally unattainable or something that needs to be sort of worked at, um, falsified, um, (laughs) orchestrated and presented in a certain way to the general public. And if we don't look like that, then we feel like we fall short and we don't feel like we are good enough. Exactly. And that's kind of been the running trend throughout. Right. And Tracy and I were in our 20s in the 90s when Kate Moss mm-hmm. and Heroin yeah. Chic came about. And uh, I remember. Yeah. yeah, me too. Yeah, that that ideal. And, you know, it, it, it was unhealthy. And yet that was what people wanted to be. Right, right, right. Exactly. But you brought up so um, in my research, I, I looked up all the history of, of body image and what beauty was. And I was totally looking at the whole uh, Renaissance and Victorian England. Mm-hmm. And I was like, dude, can we go back there? Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I, I read one that said women were supposed to be desirably plump. <laughs> I'm right. like, yeah. Right. Yeah. No, right. not so much. So right. I, I think that um, nowadays with the proliferation of social media and mm-hmm. YouTube and um, all the magazines and all that, it, it really has played a huge role in what our girls think of now as beauty. Again, this is a parenting podcast and sure. we have um, tween girls or 13 year olds now. I read somewhere that um, American elementary school girls who read magazines, 69% of them said that the pictures influence their concept of the ideal body shape and 47% sure. say the pictures make them want to lose weight. In yeah. your practice, are you seeing like the ages of the kids younger where this is affecting just like the statistics say? Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think it was even there before we had sort of like the social media. Um, It just was probably less obvious. Um, You know, I think even like you said, kind of going back to women of our generation, we, we, we certainly, you know, started to feel from a very young age that there was sort of like this idealized form of beauty and and we're sort of inundated in that culture. Um, It runs really, really deep. And so girls at a young age are sort of immersed in what it looks like or it's supposed to to quote unquote look like to be a woman, um, social media has just amplified it, you know, tenfold. So in my practice, yeah, I'm absolutely seeing um, sort of young, younger and younger girls. But interestingly enough, what I will say is that um, I think a lot of times we kind of tend to sort of look at teenage girls um, or preteen girls and sort of like say that this is what we're zeroing in on in terms of our areas of concern. And what interestingly enough, I've seen more and more in my practice is males, young males, males in their 20s, males in their 30s, women in their 50s. There's 13% of women 50 or older are engaging in diagnosable eating disorder behavior. So it really is kind of all across ages, all across genders, all across um, socioeconomic Um, you know, diversity. So we're kind of seeing it a little bit everywhere. And I think what we're really finding is no one really um, is immune to sort of like this standard or this, um, you know, kind of ideal that is just being bombarded, you know, in our, in our brains all the time of what it is we feel like we're supposed to live up to. And, you know, it's, it's like billions and billions of dollars of a machine that can kind of keeps it cranking, you know, to your point about, you know, what would it be like if it could kind of go back to something that was a little more attainable, you know, all of those machines that make all of the money in the beauty and the diet industry would come to a grinding halt. And, you know, there is investment there for them to kind of want want to keep everyone feeling like they're just not measuring up. You mentioned boys. Um, 
they're often overlooked. I mean, my brother was a wrestler, mm-hmm. and he used to sleep in a suit that would make him sweat. And I used so he to, can make weight. Yeah, and mm-hmm. I used to borrow it because I thought that would help me too. That was smart. Oh. Um, but but what is the trend with young men, um, and where is that coming from? Is that just still part of this whole? I mean, who's yeah. marketing to them? Yeah, I mean, I think it, I think it's a similar thing. I think it's just more kind of in the in the lines of sort of like having that overly muscular physique, um, you know, that really cut out body type, um, you know. But men are, are just susceptible to feeling like they sort of have to look a certain way, um, you know, in order to feel socially accepted or to feel like they kind of get that stamp of approval. <laughs> so no dad bods. <laughs> 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 Did some famous people make that like a thing? That was like a trend. There wasn't was a it? dad bod trend. Yes. What? A, right. So you said social media, like it was happening even before social media. But what about like the selfie culture and filters and and stuff? I I, I closely monitor my daughter's social media, and um, you know, these girls love taking pictures of themselves. Yes, and the filters are ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. The filters are ridiculous. Um, the whole thing really is in a lot of ways we could say is kind of ridiculous, but interestingly enough, you know, these kids are kind of all going through what's a very typical developmental milestone, which is to kind of really figure out their self identity and grapple with who am I and what am I here to do? And, and, and what am I all about? And where do I fit in with my peers? And that's something that, you know, developmentally all teenagers kind of go through, but kids these days are sort of having to, um, you know, kind of navigate that in this culture of social media. And it's, it's a totally new ball game. You know, the thing I think is interesting about the selfie culture is, you know, my reaction to it always initially is like, oh, it's just so like narcissistic and it's awful. And, you know, these kids are, um, you know, really just all they're really wanting to stand around to do is take pictures of themselves. But, you know, I kind of think that the way I think about it is, you know, what they're essentially really craving or needing that moment is something that we all kind of ultimately crave and need, which is to sort of be seen, be validated, be accepted. And the thing that's interesting about social media is it's kind of this rabbit hole, right? It's sort of this place where people can kind of feel like they go there and post pictures or create this identity online, really kind of seeking that out. And and the fact that someone really feels like they want that or they need that, that's not inherently bad. Those are those are things we all need to feel. Um, but, you know, it's, it's just kind of the way that they're going about it. And the really tricky thing is these kids are seeing, you know, these kids and even all of us, you know, everyone is sort of seeing certain things presented a certain way on social media or online. And it's really tricky for us to keep in mind and remember that a lot of the stuff isn't even based in reality. Right. You know, I had um, in the filters and in everything that you can kind of do to manipulate an image or sort of manipulate the way that you present yourself online, that kind of gets you know, overlooked sometimes. So I'll have, you know, teenagers in my office who will very much say that, you know, they understand that filters can be applied or Photoshop can be altering an image. But at the same time, they'll show me an example of something on their feed that they think is based in reality when in fact it's not. Yes, everything's Um, curated. Everything is curated. Everything has the ability. I'm not saying everything is, but everything has the ability to be manipulated or altered in some way. And, you know, it could go so far as to even really question, like, is this even this person's content? Is this really even, you know, what this person, um, what their life really looks like? And, and it can get very murky and confusing for kids to sort of, you know, keep in mind that what they're seeing isn't necessarily based in reality because they're kind of convinced that it is. Yeah. And that they don't measure up in response to it. 
So how is body image related to mental health? I know for me, um, it was a control thing. I, if I could control what I was eating or, mm-hmm. you know, uh, if I was going to binge or purge, whatever. Um, but there was still a body image thing. How, how do they go hand in hand? Well, you know, the interesting thing about body image is it takes up, you know, when you have sort of body image disturbance, it takes up a tremendous proportion of time and energy and mental resources. And so in order to give time and energy there, and in a lot of ways, you're kind of taking time and energy away from other things. So, you know, all of the time spent focusing on how do I look or what am I eating or what behaviors am I engaging in takes away from what relationships do I have? What am I here to do? Um, what am I going to go out into the world and put out, you know, that is a, a representation of who I am and, and who I'm here to be. And, you know, a lot of times that cycle in and of itself can be sort of very depressing and anxiety provoking. I very rarely see someone in my office for some form of eating disorder or body image issue that they don't also meet some, you know, clinical criteria for depression and or anxiety. I was going to say combination of both. Yeah. So, yeah. So in terms of what we're kind of seeing, most kids that come in, um, you know, with these issues have a pretty high degree of anxiety and and depression that goes along with it. Um, You know, you mentioned control and sometimes too, those are great questions to ask because I feel like our culture has really you know, kind of bombarded us with this message of, oh, you're not happy with the way that you look. Well, then, you know, buy this product or diet this diet or, you know, do this or do that. And then you can get the outcome that you want. And so it kind of gives us this false sense of control that, you know, society is telling me and projecting all of these images that if I look a certain way or I, you know, my, you know, life comes across a certain way, um, that everything's going to be okay for me. People will like me and I will be happy and all of these things. It gives a false sense of, of control. And, you know, sometimes people will come in and, and it seems like the issue is about body image or it seems like the issue is about, you know, dissatisfaction in the way that they look. And there's really underlying issues going on, um, you know, that they're really just kind of trying to control for in other ways. It's like a symptom of a much deeper issue. Um, and those can sometimes be things related to trauma or relationship issues or family dynamics. And sometimes those waters can run pretty deep. And um, it's important to kind of try to get to the heart of, is there anything else going on? Mm-hmm. Sure. How can we... Um as parents, how can we convince or teach our daughters um, kind of change the narrative that self-worth isn't in their looks, like mm-hmm. how they can feel, okay, you know what, you're a perfectly comfortable 13-year-old and you are healthy and how, how can we, how can we, you know, promote that healthy body image? Yeah, I think it's such a great question. And I love that you started talking, you know, at the beginning of this episode about modeling, because I feel like as as parents, that's one of the greatest things that we can do. Um, I think as moms, you know, our reality is, you know, that we all, you know, to your point, as you were saying earlier, we all have our own struggles. You know, how many women relate to that idea of, you know, I have a little bit of a battle with what I see in the mirror, whether it's aging or changing bodies or things that have happened as a result of having kids or maybe having had body image issues early on in childhood. And so it's really, I think, a case of having a tremendous amount of self-awareness to what do you kind of carry into your environment just based on your own stuff. And I don't say that to mean that there should be pressure to kind of like flip the switch on that and get it all figured out and, you know, kind of then 
sort of model this, like, I really love everything about my body and everything about the way that I look, because I don't know for most women that that's realistic, <laughs> yeah. sadly. Um, but I think it's more about, you know, trying to take risks. Like, I will get in the pool. I will show my daughter that, you know, we can go out as a family and I can have, you know, a cheeseburger and french fries and enjoy that and have conversation. But then, you know, the next day we talk about eating, you know, fruits and vegetables and how that makes our body healthy. So as much as kind of modeling all of that good self-care and all of that kind of energy about, you know, I'm here to do something and it's not about the way that I look. Um, And, you know, I think just kind of as much as possible working on those issues um, within ourselves as moms and then helping our daughters navigate those waters. Um, I think sometimes, you know, as moms, we kind of feel like if we are, you know, just reminding our daughters or or our sons or our kids all the time that it's, you know, not about how they look, that that is a good conversation to have and that we're doing, you know, that work. And those are great conversations to have. But sometimes I think it really boils down to just sitting down and letting them talk about what they're experiencing. Um, You know, that we can certainly try to be, um, you know, supportive and offer all of the ways that we see their strengths and all of the ways that we want them to kind of like rewrite their kind of thought process about this, but, you know, sometimes it's less about convincing them of something and sort of letting them kind of work through it and sort of supporting them and like, yes, this is the culture and this is challenging for, for girls and women or for boys and, and let's talk honestly and openly about how this makes you feel. Um, What about when they can't, what about when they, they, when you see that they're suffering from it, when you can see them looking in the mirror and like being for like, oh. Or something. How do you bring it up without smothering them or alienating them? You know, because some kids are like vaults and they just don't talk about stuff and like mm-hmm. the real stuff. So how do you how can you broach that when they're not really open to having a dialogue about it? Yeah, that's a great question. And I think sometimes it comes down to even just kind of reflecting back to them and saying, like, you know, I could be wrong in this, but I feel like I'm really seeing you struggle with, you know, the way that you look today. And I'd love to talk to you about it when you're ready. Or I'm here to talk to you about these things. I have felt those same things myself at times in my life. And, you know, I want to help you if you feel like you're struggling with that. Um, Just kind of reminding them, reminding them that, you know, that you're seeing it, that you're aware of it, and that you will be ready to talk to them if they feel if they feel open to it. Um, I think sometimes too, it kind of opens the door to, you know, the case of, you know, if you can't talk to me about it, is there someone else that you can talk Mm, to about it? That's a good idea. Um, You know, and I think there's a lot of moms who bring their daughters in here to see me who really wish that their daughters could have this conversation with me and really wish that their daughters would sit with them and go through their Instagram feeds and talk about the ways that certain images make them feel. Um, But the reality of the situation is, you know, for whatever reason, those girls or young women can't have those conversations with their moms. And it's not that those aren't great moms and it's not that they don't have good relationships. It's just that sometimes, you know, kids almost need, um, you know, outside perspective or, um, you know, some other person in their life that they trust that they can open up to that can start to even help foster a dialogue down the road between moms and daughters or moms and sons or whatever the case might be. So I read somewhere that when treating girls with anorexia, doctors showed them pictures of their bodies with someone else's heads on the bodies. Really? Mm -hmm. Yep. And the girls thought the bodies were thin when they didn't know the bodies were their own. Um, Mm -hmm. Is that is that dysmorphia? Yeah, yeah. And and body dysmorphia um, is very much, you know, a kind of a separate diagnosis, but inherent in the diagnosis of anorexia nervosa is a really skewed sort of experience of how the body looks and how the body feels. 
So, um, you know, that is very much a part of that sort of struggle and diagnosis that, you know, that someone suffering from that will actually experience and see their body in a completely different way than the rest of us will see them and experience them. Yeah. Yeah. That seems like a good, I, I would, I want to try that. Yeah. Um, yeah. I was uh, in re- in researching for today. I noticed in your practice, you do um, something called body image photography. Wh- what yeah. the heck is that? Yeah. That sounds really <laughs> interesting. Yeah. So I actually, I actually am um, a photographer in addition to being a therapist. And several years ago, I kind of was curious about blending the two specifically because of what, you know, you were saying that there is sort of like this challenge for people to see themselves in sort of a realistic way and sort of appraise their body um, in, in, a, in a way that's true to how they really are. And what I started to notice was that I could use photography when someone, particularly when someone had sort of restored to like a goal weight. So, you know, we'll we'll typically have someone who actually needs to gain weight or restore health before they're kind of considered at an ideal body weight. Um, And that's obviously a massive, massive struggle for someone who's going through these issues. But, you know, what I started to find was that there were sometimes ways that I could sort of present how they looked to them in a way that they could kind of get their head around, like, this is me, this is my new body. And it's actually not as bad as I thought it was. It's actually not as big as I thought it was. Um, And, you know, so some of the feedback that I was getting, you know, from these women who were kind of pioneers and letting me, you know, experiment on them a little bit with this was that they actually found the photographs to be very helpful. Um, I have one client that, you know, years and years later was kind of reaching out to me and saying, you know, I just wanted you to know that when I still struggle with body image, sometimes I'll take out those pictures and it will remind me that I can get distorted in the way that I experience my body and that there is a truth that sometimes I can't see um, and that there are a lot of things that I can celebrate about my body or that my body enables me to do. And so a lot of times we would kind of talk in therapy, not just about how the picture looks or how their body looks, looks, but all of the things about what, you know, what their body can do for them and what are they here to do that isn't related to their way their body looks, but they need their body in order to do it. Yeah. That, reframing it, right? You just yes. you need to reframe it. Okay. Yes. Yes. Uh, and I feel like, you know, that's kind of one of the biggest things that I've been trying to reinforce for, you know, young girls coming in. And, and for some of them, it is quite honestly, sort of like mind boggling. Like I didn't really stop and think about what am I here to do? I didn't really stop and think about what do I have to offer. And certainly those are things that we can kind of remind our kids of all the time. You know, what are you here to do today? You know, what are your strengths? What are your gifts? What are you going to go out into the world and, and um, you know, and, and make the most of today that has nothing to do with the way that you look? So according to the National Association of Anorexia Nervosa, 30 million people suffer from an eating disorder mm-hmm. in the United States. Um, mm-hmm. What are some signs and symptoms um, and, and how should parents uh, react or help? Yeah, yeah, that's a great question. And that's 30 million that we know of. Right. <laughs> you know, I think eating disorders so often, and especially subclinical eating disorders, so often get, you know, go undiagnosed. Um, summertime is really interesting because I feel like related to what you were saying about the body image and, and kind of wearing less clothing, sometimes that's sort of a real red flag for parents that, you know, maybe someone has lost some weight. Um, so certainly weight loss is one. Um, 
you know, kind of sensing that someone has, um, you know, an urgent need to go to the bathroom or use the bathroom after they've eaten a meal would be an indication that maybe there is some purging going on after meals. I think just kind of seeing someone becoming really obsessed with appearance related, um, you know, things or, um, you know, noticing that food is, um, you know, disappearing at a rapid rate or, you know, noticing food kind of being eaten in secret. Sometimes kids will, um, you know, kind of binge and purge and sort of hide vomit in places. And, um, you know, and so it's just kind of like being mindful of, you know, kind of what's going on with your kids and, um, you know, looking for anything that just sort of seems off. And I think as moms, you know, we kind of all have sort of that radar. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we, we having a lot of us walked through that kind of discomfort about our own bodies and our own diet mentality, sometimes you know, it's kind of easy to spot when someone else might be struggling with that because we kind of see it and recognize it as something that we've struggled with as well. Um, and so it's just kind of being mindful of, you know, does someone seem like they're, you know, not wanting to wear a bathing suit or go to the pool or do things that they used to enjoy doing. Um, certainly seeming more, you know, kind of like depressed or withdrawn, socially withdrawn and isolated, um, signs of anxiety, you know, not sleeping well, um, you know, saying that they're not hungry and skipping meals. Those are all some red flags too. Yeah. Thank you so much for joining us today, Gina. Um, this is definitely something that we're like in the throes of right now um, um, with girls in middle school. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. Um, and I, you know, it affects a lot of households, as you said, even even boys um, and, yeah. and young men. So I really appreciate your time today. Gina Graham, a licensed clinical social worker um, and your website. Do you have a website? I do. I do. It's GinaGrahamLCSW.com. Super. Thank you so much for joining us today. And um, we'll put some links up to some of the other help, um, the Nervosa, um, what is it? Anorexia Nervosa. We'll put some, we'll put some links up to the National Association of Anorexia. Yeah. Yep. And um, for, for people for extra help. Great. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much, Gina. So apparently it starts with us, right? I know. Um, As parents, we need to model this positive body image in order for our kids to believe it themselves. So we got to believe it too. I know. You and me. Okay. It's hard. (laughs) This means you, mom, so we can do this together. Right. No more self-loathing as you look in the mirror, getting dressed to go out um, with your friends or jumping in that bathing suit and going to the beach or the pool this summer. Um, Every interaction counts and we owe it to our daughters not to pass this behavior on. And I'm going to try really hard. And will you do it with me? I will try. And I, you know, let's I've get known- our hair wet. Oh no! Exactly. <laughs> All right. My um, family says the same thing. Do I don't. They? Get, yeah. No. Yeah. Uh, but I do know several moms who walk around their houses, you know, in underwear, and 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 that is a totally natural thing. The body is a beautiful thing. It's just that's not the way I was raised. But maybe I need to just sort of let let loose. <laughs> that can happen. Go, that can that can mean a whole lot of things, Anne. <laughs> okay. All right. A special shout out to everyone who's been faithfully following our podcast. Thank you so much. Uh, season four is well underway, and we are so grateful for your support. We'd love for you to share our podcast with your friends and family. We'd be super stoked if you would uh, leave a review for us on iTunes. That really helps. Your opinion matters. Yeah, and it helps spread the word. So uh, please uh, do review us on iTunes. Thank you so much. This is a WGN Plus podcast. I'm Tracy Weiner. And I'm Ann Johnsos. Thanks for listening to Apparently. We make it look easy. We make it look easy.